I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello. Welcome to our Collistin. Uh, I am one of your hosts. I am Stuart with him. Uh, my co-host, Christopher Glasson, isn't about for this sunny Saturday afternoon in the Within where I'm recording a set of intros and outros for... Um, this podcast and a couple of weeks afterwards so um chris isn't about so i've been left to do it on my own um pressure's on i need to deliver i've got to be good i've had a shower i've side-pited my hair i've brushed my teeth um i've i'm gonna put some sunglasses on for this i, I need to feel I need to feel like a don for this i'm going solo i'm striving out this is my big moment, my name up in lights, numero uno, head honcho, the big cheese. This episode is with the wonderful Colin Murray. Mate, it's so much easier when you do these podcasts with professional presenters. And Colin's presented on every amazing radio station he's presented so many great tv shows so he knows his shit um which makes it a lot easier for us um we recorded this at the queen of hoxton um, we met colin he'd had a an interesting afternoon uh, in a and e with his sister and uh it looked like it might not happen but um like the trooper he is he turned up and he turned up with a, a bag of chat, um, and it was cracking. It was it was a really really good chat, as um, you're about to find out. Um, so just before we get on with it, um, a big shout out to everybody on the Distraction Pieces Network, um, host you know owned by Mr. Scroobius Pip. So thanks Pip for your ongoing support and for continuing to to find new and interesting podcasts and and supporting us and um you know helping us do what what we're uh, enjoying doing. Um, big shout-outs to Mr. 76 for producing this, for Brad Acton for doing the video bits and bobs, um, John Harris for doing the uh, little video bits as well for Distraction Pieces Network. Um, right, a couple of quick bits before we get on as well. I know you generally sort of whiz past the intros and want to cut straight to the the gold. Well, um I won't keep you waiting. I just want to do a quick shout out to two new podcasts on the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, the first one being um, Films to be Buried With uh, by Mr. Brett Goldstein. Brett Goldstein, former guest on Hardcore Listing 
and former guest on Scribby Swift Distraction Pieces. And if you've listened to either of those, you'll know what a lovely gentleman Brett is. And Brett's new podcast is um, a good chat, all film-based, um, as would suggest in the title, uh, where people talk about uh, their favourite films in response to different kind of questions about those, uh, the style of film, etc., etc. Um, and previous guests so far, Catherine Ryan, James A. Caster, Pip, um, and there's there's some serious names that are going to be coming out on that soon as well. So it's it, it's a cracker, um, and it's not that it needs any more support because he's absolutely stormed iTunes with this, and uh, and rightly so. It's a good listen. So that's available on the Distraction Pieces Network on Acast and iTunes. So um, big love to Brett. And um, the other podcast on that is my new one. Um, I'm like a, a less funny Brett Goldstein, far less attractive. Um, I've got a lisp, um, but I like nerding out about music. So if I was to be a superhero, that would probably be my skill set. Um, bit of an irritating lisp, say er too much, and um, like nerding out about music. So, um, it's called Off The Beaten Track Podcast. Um, it's a little series of chats that I've done with musicians, um, actors, producers, um, anybody kind of in a, in a creative field, and I ask them to select um, seven songs which are in a response to seven questions I send them in advance. So we chat about the music that has influenced their journey um, creatively and the area they grew up in. And so we just do a little life story kind of chat and get to nerd out about music, which I love doing. Um, your, if any of you have supported it already, and I know um, a fair few of you hardcore listening listeners have, thank you so much because we went straight to number one on iTunes, which in my wildest dreams did not think would happen. So thank you so, so much for um, anyone that supported it so far. And if you haven't, give it a listen. Off the Beaten Track podcast, again, on the Distraction Pieces network um available on acast and itunes back to today let's stop waffling stew colin murray what a dude just enjoy it i'll see you at the end it's a drunken soiree in the within chris and stew present our core listing the podcast Hello, welcome to Hardcore Listing, uh, with myself, Dr. Phil Good and uh, Roy Tarmac. You alright? Yeah, I'm good, thanks mate. How are you? I'm alright, I'm alright. We've, uh, we've just had a, an egg mayo sandwich each, which was, uh, which was alright. I think it was the poshest one, I've never eaten in prep before. So prep veggie? Like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ain't got many of them in Essex. You, went to, you walked in some other uh, place first and you was like, no, this is too yeah, short. That, that, that you walked was, out of there and, yeah. um, and then we nearly bought a can of soda for £6.50. And we decided against it, didn't yeah. we? And uh, we're here now at the in the basement of the Queen of Hoxton mm-hmm. with our wonderful guest today. Would you like to introduce them? Yeah. Um, Colin Murray, how you doing? I can't believe Tarmac here thinks Pret's posh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's the not posh one. Yeah. 99. Is it not? Well, it's 99p for a filter coffee. <laughs> it's, where, it's where people like... It's like where Irish people like myself and homeless people go for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Shoes from Grey's, it's yeah. just another run down yeah. on that. On I that don't understand route. if you're like Soho Coffee. Oh, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not paying four yeah, quid yeah. for it or whatever it is. The Pret 
It was a news agent's next door, though. It was ridiculous, it wasn't was it? A can of soda was £6.50. Was, yeah, oh. yeah. Do you know do you know? It's a good question I always ask people? What's posh? Because you get a really good sign of sort of where they're coming yeah, from. Yeah, their spectrum. Because okay. I've earned decent money in my career, but posh to me is always uh, Walls Vianetta. Right. So we only had it at Christmas. Yep. So sure. even now, if I hear that slice, you know, the knife going the crack, through the bayonet, the crack. I'm like, yeah. this is how I'm living. Yeah. 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 And Schlur, do you remember the grape juice? Oh, yeah. Schlur. Right? Because you, you, you had to, my mum and dad would be like, it would be Christmas, and yeah. mum and dad would be like, go easy on the Schlur. Yeah, yeah. Because you couldn't just be bashing that back left, right, and centre. Schlur <laughs> and bottles of appetise, uh, apple ties, apple ties, apple tizer. And an orangina. Mm. That was oh, just orangina. like premium level. Oh, wow. And that, that was like, maybe. If you was an holiday, you might get <laughs> yes. one of them. But the, the thing was, <laughs> I remember as well, and, and we'd go to the video shop and like we'd, we'd, we'd get a video out and I was about mm. to get whatever it was out on, on VHS. And we'd get home, but in the video shop, you'd be allowed to pick a bar of chocolate, but that was capped. It was like, it was, you know, bottom end. It was like Mars Twix, Mum Chocolate, Premium, yeah. Mintola, oh, Munchies. Mintola. Which they, they, two things about that, Mentola's lost everything when they changed the name to Mint Munchies. Did they? Yeah, that's that's when, they, and then no one bought them after that, so yeah. like, well, what are you doing that for? Yeah. It's like Jeff, Seth, yeah. Yeah. that type of Game stuff, over. bubble fruits and all Unnecessary. that. Unnecessary. Starburst, but you're so right about Orangina, right? And anyone listening to this on the age of 25 is going to be, what are you, what are you old men talking about? <laughs> but our only, the only holiday I had as a kid that wasn't just to see family in Winchester was France. We got Lauren Stranraer Ferry, drove from Stranraer to Winchester, stayed a night with the family, then drove to Portsmouth, then got a ferry to La Havre. It was the worst four days of my life, right? <laughs> and then we got there, and then we had like four days in France, and then had to do a journey back. But I remember getting Orangina in that holiday and going, what is this? Yeah. What is it's this? It's an elixir, especially if, you, if you've had a rough journey, man. But that bottle just felt like, it felt expensive, didn't it? Mm. Yeah. And yeah. you had to put a bit of work in with an Orangina as well. You didn't just get to drink it. You had to yeah. actually shake it before you drank it. And, so and the adverts you had to invest into it. And the adverts in the 80s for like Perrier. That was like, mm. that was that was something. And it was like, what is this? And it was like, well, it's water. <laughs> but it, it, it looked premium. Oh, and it yeah. was like, Council's and it had bubbles in it. Council Spring, that's all we drank. We used, to, we used to call it that. You want a glass of Council Spring? <laughs> Have you seen that uh, Limmy, that Limmy sketch where he's like, he's in a supermarket and he's like, look at this. And he's going through all the different waters. He's going, £1.50, £2. And he's like, follow me. And uh, he just walks it up into someone's random house and then just goes up to a tap and turns it on. <laughs> he goes, what? <laughs> and he just invites all his mates around and they're drinking it out of saucepans and shit like that. Brilliant. And it costs fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> right, Colin, before we get on to what your top five is going to be, yeah. um, did you consider any other top five before you settled on what you've settled for? Well, I'm a spontaneous person, right? Okay. And so I got the fucking message and I'm like, right, I'll do this. And then it was set. And I think it might, we'll see at the end of this, but it might fall under, it was a good idea at the time. Okay. It might go on that <laughs> list. But it's not often someone says, do anything you want. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, okay. And this was in my head. I'd watched something. It was a run up to the Eurovision and it was in my head. And then this one thing was, it. don't worry, it's not Eurovision. Um, and this one thing was in my head and I thought, actually, I can think of three things it was at. I could talk about two things that I think I could add in. Mm -hmm. um, so, no, I, I'm that type of person, you know, like, yeah, be a good idea. To the jump, idea came and you were like, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. jump off a bridge and then think later. So, 
So what is your top five then? <laughs> Can I just say, if you're not a sports fan, don't worry. Um, yeah. The conversation's not going to go there. I kind of so it's great sporting crowd sing-alongs. Okay. Five that I think are good to talk about, not just for what happened on that day, but sure. also in general. Yeah. I think it'll lead to other conversations. Ma'am, okay. certainly. Like, but what do people <coughs> normally do? I mean, like, is that weird? Or is no, not at all. No, is I mean, like, we, we always say that people should just go with something that they really give a shit about and enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so people get really niche. Like, we yeah. had Mark Moore from S Express who did uh, nice. his favourite, he did his favourite uh, soundtracks. Um, to movies, but they were all of movies. Some of the movies he hadn't even seen himself, and yeah. they were all sort of like strange. It's all like French erotica, circus '78. It was. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that is the problem. I sometimes listen to things where people have to pick things, and I think, is that really what you like? It's that you go to someone. Yeah. What's your What's your five favourite movies? Mm -hmm. And they go right. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. I'll go with three colours. No, 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 no. Not the three coolest. The five yeah. coolest yeah, yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. What are your favourites? Yeah. And if you actually think about that question, like The Wizard of Oz is one of mine. Because yeah. I've seen it so many yeah. times. Yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is one yeah. of mine. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it so many times. Yeah. we done this, and, and we was like, right, let's just be fucking honest. And I yeah. was like, do you know what? When I was 12, I watched the first Police Academy film about 300 oh. times. I'm having it. Yeah. Like, well, the story of why we started hardcore <laughs> listing, we were trying to think of what to do as a podcast off of doing ones with Pip. And, uh, you know, I've, I've always loved listing things. And one of my stories is... Uh, uh, my dad had a big chat with me just when I finished uni and I'd done yeah. all right. And I got to the point where, because I'd done well <laughs> enough, I was just taking a piss and I was smoking weed at, at left, right mm. and centre in front of everyone because I figured, well, they all know I can get all right grades now, so no one's going to have a problem with it. And my dad like sort of like cornered me just after I'd finished smoking this joint outside. And he gave me this hour-long chat about what I was going to do with my life and... I was nodding all the way through it, but I, was, I just wasn't really paying much attention. I went upstairs, came down a little bit later, picked up a notepad and pen. I think my dad must have thought, oh, he's really like getting into it. Went back upstairs, came down a few hours later, and he was like, well, you know, what have you done? You made any decisions? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, well, what, go on then. And I was, Ghostbusters is my favourite movie. And <laughs> 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 what I've been doing is writing and categorising movies. And it just turns out that's the most fun one. So fuck it, you know. He should have smashed you for that, by the way. Well, should have smashed you for that. Well, we, we, we've seen your list and, and we know that, uh, that, that football does feature. And obviously yeah. a lot of people know that um, you're a huge football fan. So we've got to throw it out there now. Yeah. Like, you're not a massive football fan are no, you no I mean like I thought Match of the Day 2 was a sequel to a movie I hadn't seen <laughs> so yeah the I shirt one <laughs> yeah. when I was hosting it well I've I dipped out and I was and I yeah. literally spent about two hours in my shed in my garden last night trying to find a bit of vinyl for you because I know you give your nice. guests vinyl and at home and uh, yeah I do that a lot yeah, yeah. And, and I love that usually when I've forgotten to buy my present and I'm like oh fuck it and they're coming around my house <laughs> and I'll just take one of my own did that with Adam PD. I give him, I've got the NWA straight out of the conference. I ask my own copy. <laughs> um, sometimes I forget and then I go yeah. into that, yeah. Sometimes it's for real though. And I thought, right, I'm going to get <laughs> the perfect bit of vinyl, which yeah. will spark conversation because it was when I stopped following football. Right. And as a Liverpool fan, yeah. it was probably not the greatest point in Liverpool's career. Yeah. Um, and it was, I stopped watching football at the 89-90 season. Yeah. 89, 90 season. And I bought We're Back Where We Belong by the Arsenal oh Cup uh, league winning side on seven. <laughs> and it's 
Dixon, Rowcastle, Thomas, they're all on the front. And I thought, I'm going to dig that out and I'm going to give that bit of vinyl oh. to Colin. And could I find it yesterday? I literally went through about 3,000 seven-inch singles trying to find this record that I'm obviously so, I'm, I've I'm never so, played. I'm so glad you didn't. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because I went on to work with Perry Groves, who... I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, actually, because I've always had a little bit of a liking for Arsenal because even being young at that stage, kind of understanding what that season was about. And it was the weirdest season ever, obviously, because everything was delayed because of Hillsborough. And this game happened and Arsenal had to come to Anfield and it's up for grabs now. Michael Thomas goes to win a goal and all that. But like, I remember them giving flowers to the cop. You know, I remember that before the game and I've talked to Perry about it and he said, you know, it was very much a case of like until one minute before kickoff, it wasn't about the football. But for that 90 minutes, it was only about the football and, and even how they celebrated at the end. So that, so even though I, I always joke about Perry used to like once a week would wear it's up for grabs now t-shirt. Like, you know, but it, it doesn't sting as much as other, yeah. other defeats for various <laughs> reasons. But that's weird you say that because... Perry Gross was not a player that I probably would have yeah. thought of when, when, when I think about that, that, that moment and, and, and Arsenal. But my uncle, I had, I had an uncle that I didn't see very often, and he had a Rolls Royce. Yeah. No one had Rolls Royces. He's wow. the rich member of the family. And, like, and, he, and he was no, You he were fighting obviously. over a bar of Twix, wasn't uh, But he had a Rolls Royce, and, and, and I was like, what does he do? And he's like, oh, he's the chairman of a football club. And he was the chairman of Colchester. Oh, wow. And so we used to go to Colchester United, like maybe once a month he'd pick me up. Nice. And I was probably about eight or nine and we'd sit cool. in the stand and I'd get a blanket for my legs and, like, and they'd bring me like a hot chocolate. And Perry Groves was, of course was, was, was a Colchester. That's right, I call and, you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Steve Lamarck's team. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. So the only time I've been is with Steve Lamarck. He'll take you to a random away in once every couple of years yeah. and just complain for 90 minutes about how bad his <laughs> So, yeah, my, my, my knowledge of football, I'll, I'll give you mm. a quick, a, a little kind of insight. <laughs> so, I was a, an Arsenal fan till 89, 90. Then I kind of got into being yeah. in bands and music and stuff like that. And yeah. then, and then I, I, I looked, I didn't, and I couldn't afford to go after that. It was about eight pounds standing clock in then. And, and I think it... It, that was a season, I believe, it went all seater as well. Yeah, um, I might be wrong, but it was there <coughs> like or thereabouts. It, it was that time, yeah. yeah. Everything started to change over that yeah. period. Um, we should make a rule then. Like, if you are like, I'm bored with this chat, then we change it, <laughs> right? Because you're like, right, okay. So you can be the listener. Okay. You can literally be like, klaxon, no. Right, I'm having that. Lovely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My only thing is, right, with five, is like, what order do you do them in? Well, are they in... Yeah, a burning, burning number one. If there's one that you always think, when you thought of this, it was there, and you're like, fuck it, that's got to be number one. Yeah. The others don't have to be in order. Some yeah. pe some people who do this, they won't have any in order. Yeah. Some just know that what their number one is. Other people have listed it. Okay. You know, so however you want to do it, mate. All right, I'll, ke I'll keep my favourite the last. So I'll start, why don't I start with the weirdest one? Okay. Far right, there's a football club called Bohemians, and they're a Dublin football club. And they were having... Uh, testimonial the players finished to come along everyone pays in so it was absolutely bonged for Kevin Hunt one of our players legend for them and at ha and so they adopted Hold Me Now by Johnny Logan as their anthem and they would sing it mainly at away days so at half time of Kevin Hunt's testimonial Johnny Logan 20 years on almost mm -hmm. a day of winning the Eurovision comes out and over the PA right. sings Hold Me Now Right, 
to these 3,000 fans. And it's the most bizarre... And just if, if you're thinking this is why, just watch it now, yeah. right? Just watch it now. It's the single most surreal sing-along I've ever seen. It's not... They've just adopted this song. It's a Eurovision winner. Do you know what the thinking was behind him? I don't know. I just see they're not my team. It's like yeah. this is the only one on the list that is yeah. retro. I just someone went, "You gotta watch this," and I was like, "Oh my lord, this is the best yeah. thing I've ever yeah. seen." It's just not suitable for a crowd. Yeah. It, it's like if they. It's like if a team said, "Oh, oh we sing Boris Gardner. I want to wake up with you." It, it doesn't make any sense. It's absolutely amazing. Because the, ver the verse is quite slow, isn't it? Yeah. It's, that's the know. thing. It's, it touched touch me the way you yeah. used to do, because I know tonight would be all I'll have with you. From now on, you'll be with someone else instead of me. It doesn't make... It's but just it that, I don't get it. Much better, it's it? amazing. And, in, and the, the crowd singing it, they are ecstatic singing along to this. And it shouldn't work, but it is one of the greatest cried sing-along moments yeah. in sport and it's got that bit as well which is uh, I hope at last you find what you've been searching for although I won't be there anymore not a high but I will always <laughs> love you and they're all hands in the air and they're all good men and it's literally one of those stands you can see the cars part around yeah. the back of it it's, it's proper and, and they are just in a state of euphoria mm. and Johnny Logan who looks about three Johnny Logans now which yeah. just happens to all of us <laughs> he, he's just walking up and down the touchline yeah. at this testimonial, just belting this song out. Yeah. And it is genius. And I also love it because randomly I'm a huge Eurovision freak. So I've watched it every since, since I was born, sat with my mum, wow. score all the score all the different countries, pick the winner almost every year. I'm not boasting, but this year it was like <laughs> Israel done money, printing money that was this year. It was the only Eurovision entry. Yeah. It, it was only one. Mm. So despite... Sort of, if someone goes to me, who's your favourite artist? Remember what they have about? Or Nick Cave first. You know, told me it's Flaming Lips. Mm -hmm. I, I have Bardo one step further on 12 inch. Do you know what? Man? Right? Because <laughs> one step further on it could have been there. just a pop gem. It is a gem. Liar. And it was like, they, they were like, they were like a poor man's dollar. Well, but I, it's interesting because I saw it the other day on the telly and I was thinking, you were the two that were just a bit too dirty to get into box fizz. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You were just too yeah. weatherspoons to get into... Definitely, <laughs> yeah. Right? And you say, she's naughty, he's, you know, he's got yeah. the old blonde hair. I think, yeah, like, you're right, pound shop dollar. Yeah. If that makes sense, pound shop dollar. Well, interestingly... <laughs> a pound shop dollar is technically twice dollar, <laughs> so that does it. Or is it anymore? It's probably not. <laughs> well, um, where I live in Grays... Um, the MP for Grays, who ran to become the MP uh, in the recent elections, was David Van Day from yeah. Dollar. But he's, he used to run a, like a burger van he in did. Brighton he got, and all he got that. spotted, didn't he? And yeah. that, it was front page of the papers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, David Van Day in a burger van. But I, know, I, I, I have never been to the Eurovision. It's, it's my bucket list, and I nearly went this oh, year. I'm surprised, mate. If I know, you, if I've never been. i of a fan. Well, I know, it's just something I've never done. Do like, you want to be like what, in the crowd? Oh, yeah, right yeah. There. always wow, in the, the crowd, never. Mm -hmm. you know. mm. It's interesting when you work in the media, when you want to go something in the media, people are do you want to go? Well, there's no other way to go. You're either mm. working or you're not. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, nearly went to Portugal this year, and I didn't. Um, but I'm kind of glad I didn't anyway. But our entry, Suri, had her mic taken off her by some. I never saw this bird about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark, it. And it's not that yeah. good a song, but it helped her in a way because then mm. she, she got the mic back and she was shaking a bit and she belted out the last the last verse and chorus. But yeah, I love it really. because it's just the most eccentric. 
eccentricity is being drained away from yeah. everything now. You know, even football crowds and you know people sitting their hands until the first goal scored in most games. And uh, comedy, the mainstream of comedy now, and that's sort of a lot of eccentricity has been taken away from yeah. that. You have to search music as well. But, you know, bands can't make three albums now. Yeah. They'll be dropped after one. People won't come. You know, so many TV series that you'd live in your hearts were awful after one series or no ratings after two but the third one click like only frozen horses is the best example of that there's no time for that now yeah. but somehow the eurovision they've tried their best to mess it up half judges half audience all that break up with the soviet union that that didn't help because they don't vote for each other and but somehow it survives it survives as this there's nothing really that you know it's the Ukraine enter a song that is just woeful, you know what I mean, against us. Australia in it at the moment, like how Australian, mm. it continues to be just woefully brilliant. But it is as bad as it's good. I've, it's I've as terrible as it's genius. It. Yeah, man. Uh, Terry Wogan used to just wow. make it for me. He just got yeah. me through that. Because my, my mum would watch it. the whole it way through it. You know. He started yeah. sober. <laughs> Welcome to the Eurovision. And then by the time I got to you, he's like, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and Graham Norton's carried that on. Like, it's yeah. an impossible challenge after because you're right it was ter all by terry wogan but i think he's brilliant mm -hmm. there was the worst worst six minute video in, at the in interval of this year's one and it was awful it was the history of portugal losing the eurovision from like when they won it like whatever it was 57 <laughs> didn't did, uh, when they won it last year and it was showing little clips of their entry and all and it was just awful and it got to the end and graham norton just went 600 million viewers <laughs> and just moved on and that was a wogan <laughs> that was a wogan moment you know he's got that naturally is like that so but it seems to need an irish voice i'm just putting that out there in case yeah. <laughs> graham uh, hangs up the microphone but to, to, <laughs> to go back to yeah uh johnny logan legend won it twice don't forget it's a it's a solid tune though isn't it it's a brilliant tune it's a solid tune and that bit that you said the third chorus yeah where he does the elongated yeah. like vocal yeah. but then it overlaps the chorus, but the fans are yeah. already doing the chorus, and it is it is beautiful. Mm. I message you to say like my bottom lip is actually yeah. going watching this. You've watched it, haven't you? Yes, I've, I've watched, and I watched a lot of variants of it yeah. as well because yeah. there's apart from the one where he walks up and down. That's the my favourite, but the crowd one's it's good. Lovely, yeah, but the crowd yeah. one's just it's, 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 it's as well. It's like you know, it's three thousand, and I'm, I'm one as well. So I mean, this is a kind thing. It's it's three thousand Hallians yeah. singing along to a love song that there's, yeah. there's no connection to yeah. football, and it's brilliant. And that's sometimes what sport can do. It can make you lose your absolutely lo lose your mind. Yeah. Ireland won the Euro had a run of winning the Eurovision because they're the most successful Eurovision country ever. They had a run where they won it and won it and won it, and they had to, like they were deliberately like put the worst entry in in the world because we can't afford to host it anymore because it costs millions to host the Eurovision. There's not really much money, so Ireland were deliberately putting in shit entries to try <laughs> and lose it. But I'd love to enter. I'd love to. I, I, would, I think it'd be brilliant. Like you know, Britain haven't won it in so long. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty like. Uh, it got a bit political, really have, didn't it? Did it? Well, did, they, was yeah, it people not like since we decided to go invade more countries. I think. Did, yeah, did, like, they, they were sort of like they were showing solidarity by voting us down. And yeah, stuff they don't like, like that. us. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, Brexit probably didn't help. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we need to. I think basically, like if we put the Rolling Stones in, we'd lose. Mm. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter much, you know. But it's quite good being from Northern Ireland because I can I can sort of be a real glory hunter and watch sure. the first votes come in. Yeah. Who's doing better, Ireland or Ireland or Britain? <laughs> come on, Britain. Go to Britannia, <laughs> or it goes the other way. I'm like, ah, oh, Britain, come on, Ireland, come on, the boys. Has there any been any? What, 
what acts stand out? The, the one that rem I, I think of the most. Um, I don't know if they won it, but do you remember the, the um, were they were the Swedish band? Abba. They did the uh, not Abba. <laughs> no. uh, did the black you know, Swedish band, two guys, two I girls. Think done two right. guys. <laughs> yeah. I hear Abba with a passion. <laughs> songs. They're one, oh, they're too catchy. Mm -hmm. uh, so if I hear an Abba song three days later, I'm singing it. Yeah. I, I want Pound Shop Abba. AKA Bardo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't stab her like a, a headache. Abba yeah. played so much in my yeah. local clubs as a kid that I just can't. I've got bad, very bad memories oh. of, of them. You, 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 you quite liked them, didn't you, mate? You love a bit of Abba. I don't mind Abba. Like, I think they've uh, they've just got some proper good pop songs. Yeah. And uh, undeniable, undeniable. No, they're and on like my list with you two, you two Abba. <laughs> Yeah, I've got that little. Do you know what? Right? We, we've here. done this. We've done a, a live show, didn't we, in in, um, in Dublin? Yeah. And uh, and we went over because Pip was doing one, and, and Pip done this huge one, didn't he? And Blind Boy from Other Bandits come on his one, and and then we done a, a very very small one, we didn't did we? One but, at uh, and we, was we were smashed, smashed before we even got on stage. But we we interviewed a few people throughout the day. I didn't realise Bono's the Pox was that how they refer to it? Bunnels the pox. Yeah. What's that mean? And they were just, from what I gathered from Essex, it was like poxy. Oh, like shit. Cool. And yeah. how much people didn't seem to like you mm. too in Ireland? It's a weird one. The, one of the reasons I hate them is when I started working in, in music when I was like 16, 17 as a journalist and then started my own music magazine, the big thing was about local music. It was about like bands coming through. Mm. Can you talk you'd, about that a little bit as well? You, well, you'd get like 40, and you'd, you'd say, here's your 40 demos of 40 bands that month and 25 of them would sound like you too and it's understandable. <laughs> but like that's, you grow a hatred for yeah, it because certainly. there's so many people picking yeah. up and wanting to sound like them. Um, I've just never liked the music. It's a sound like about three or five. I went to the Pop Mart tour. It was good and all mm. that. And it comes, ties back in actually to singing uh, live music. You can go and see a band you don't like that much. But I defy anyone to stand in front of a stage at Glastonbury when everyone's singing Yellow by Coldplay yeah. and not be buzzing. Yeah. Or like seeing you 2 and everyone's singing Still I'm Fine What I'm Looking For. It's that community of singing. You yeah, get 3,000 <coughs> Bohemians fans. You know, at a guy's testimonial and at half time, everyone just sing Hold Me Now by John Logan and yeah. you'll buzz. You'll, yeah, you yeah. watched it and you'll buzz. You yeah. wouldn't own that record. And it, so it, it's, it's not like a, I suppose it's not a hatred as such. It's just, I don't, I just don't like, uh, when bands start singing about world issues, they, they're gone for me, you know, like some of the earlier stuff's good. But like, I'm not, I'm, uh, there's loads of good examples of it. Like Coldplay went that way as well. Uh, one of my favourite bands growing up was right, was right from, Kind of literally dead letter office was REM. Yeah. And then kind See, of. they went that way as well. Post, post automatic. Mm. And, it, and it, it, it gets it in as well. Bands that were on drugs and then weren't. And that's not Coldplay, U2 or REM. But mm. like, say the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, there's a band when you wouldn't wish it on them, their drug addiction, made some of the best records yeah, I heard. Definitely. Like Freaky Stanley and Mother's Milk. Them are U2. Yeah. And then they hit that blood sugar sex magic. Yeah. But then they became U2. They start writing songs about snow. You know, and that, what was it, California Kitchen was that album yeah. called? That was the Halfway House mm. album, yeah, and yeah. then they went... Yeah, down, after down that, the toilet. it was gone. Other yeah. bands, better off drugs. Mm. Primal Scream probably wrote the best music off drugs. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's funny how drugs can affect bands both ways, you know. Oasis wrote really bad albums on drugs. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it? Like, it's, I don't know. How do we get on this? Johnny Logan doesn't <laughs> take drugs. Nick because Cave people might wrote make most of his greatest albums on drugs. Right, exactly. 
Do you know what I've got to tell you this about singing, sing-alongs that will tie back in? See, I, I've got to not take over this podcast because as a presenter... Colin, it's brilliant. We've, whenever we've, we've had like John Kennedy on, John we, Kennedy we always love a presenter. Yeah. And, like, and, and both times it's kind of nice because we can just kind of kick back. Sit back a bit. We've got a professional right. here, so we can relax. So John Peel was having a private party to celebrate, I think it was... 40 years in broadcasting it was and I had not been at Radio 1 that long but we got on well because he was a Liverpool fan I was a Liverpool fan and we just talked about football and really normal things and uh, actually when I ended up doing his, his slot for three years I took everything he taught me into it and people were like you should, the first track you played was Queen and the second track you played I didn't know but yeah, John Peel didn't play music based on anything other than he liked it you know and it's like you know he doesn't get the credit Sometimes for the bands that he broke that were huge, right through to the end, by the way, like White Stripes, Strokes, all him first. Although if, if uh, Hugh Stevens is listening to this, he did play the Strokes two days before John Peel, and he would be pedantic enough to pick me up on it, so I'm going to mention <laughs> that. But he was still always there, and he plays happy hardcore, and he loves status quo, and then he would... And that's what I loved about him. It was never really about the labels. It was never... Any, yeah. but anyway, so... I get invited along this thing and I go along to it and it's a room, I don't know where it was because I, I hadn't been in London that long, and 100 people maybe, and Pulp played, uh, the remaining members of Joy Division played Joy Division tracks. Wow. And then on one grand piano, Nick Cave came out and there was no more than about 50 people in the room at this stage. And a member, Mark Radcliffe, introducing it and he played four or five tracks on piano and you could hear this that's crazy tapping the beat out you could have up with his left wouldn't it because he was just pedals you can tap his beat out when he's playing into my arm so you're hearing it like that I don't believe it it was just Colin mind blowing I'm going to sound like a topper oh. and I'm not trying to top this well, if he's, he's a topper he's, he's a topper he's right I'm really old not. topper he's about tarmac to top here not, right? Nick Cave's <laughs> my favourite yeah by a mile and I saw him at Bush Hall when... Uh, it's not topped it yet. No, this no, This is no. not a top. No, Jar Jarvis was there. Yeah. And that fits into the story. Uh, but they didn't play. It, it was just Nick Cave. It was at piano, but a couple of the others were there. And it was an album playback for the album of 50 Fit Pure yeah. White Snow. And I, oh. I sat sidely by her side. And... and uh, and I just presumed, because when I used to go at these, because I did a DJ, and they used to just send you the promos, so it was like, they just used to play the album, and you'd get a few free drinks, and you'd just go, yeah, I really like it. And uh, so I sat by the piano, because there was an ashtray on it, and I, at the time you could smoke inside, so I was just using the ashtray and sitting by it. And then he'd come out and sat at that piano, and I had like a shitty Instamatic camera, and I was thinking, and he had a brown velvet suit on, Amazing. and literally sat where you're sitting, and started playing... He started with God is in the house, right? And I was like, fucking hell, this is, <laughs> this is a bit special. And there was a couple of like kind of press guys that were just doing the things with the flash cameras. And I was just thinking, I'm going to have to fucking do it. And, I, yeah. and I've literally just gone <laughs> and lit the whole fucking building up with my like shitty oh, little no. camera Super with a big snap. flash. Yeah. What did he do? Mute records. He was cool. Mute records were like all over me going like, who are you here from? I was like, no, I'm just a crazy Nick Hay fan. Yeah. <laughs> like... And I was like, and they're like, we need that camera. I said, you're going to fucking have to wrestle it off me because you ain't having it. Yeah. And, uh, and they let me have it. And I've got that. Amazing. I'm sitting there playing. That, God um, is in the house. That has that line, goose, is it goose step and 12 step and teetotalitarianists? <laughs> and one of the, Nick Cave has a 
you know, sort of a ream of lyrics that you go, nobody else would write that yeah. line. And it's funny if you're, I don't know why you two are, would say you're musical, but like I'm not, right? Yeah. I play the ukulele for fuck's sake. Right? Yeah. It's like, and I go to lyrics. Anyone I know who's a musician goes straight to the music. Yeah. And some of the art, like Tom Waits the same, he has lines that I go, nobody else writes that. Yeah. Go ahead and call the cops. You don't meet nice girls in coffee yeah. shops. And lines that just stick with me. And Nick Cave's that. Yeah. That is a good step and twelve step and two totalitarian. Exactly just it. got these lines that just Google. No one yeah. else in the world will write that line. Yeah. How, and I love that. It's like you yeah. read a book, you know, nobody else yeah. would write that book. Um, but he's one of those nobody else would. When I was in the daytime in Radio One, we were the last kind of era I think that had our records of the week and a couple of free plays. And it was pretty much a free choice as long as you didn't rip the arse out of it. I remember there she goes, my beautiful world. So phone up, going, get a radio edit of this because I can have it a single of the week. And and I remember at the Q Awards, he was there, and I went over and had a quick chat. And we were on air at the time. And I could say, I was, oh, we're on Radio One. I could see he's a bit like this. And I was like, yeah, but we're playing this. And I put the headphones on him, and it was it was there she goes, me anyway. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, my mate once saw him at a, at a, with his kid at um, SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, at, you know, the Christmas, you know, the pantomime. Or whatever in the theater, bounced his kid up and down his knees singing SpongeBob SquarePants songs. I mean, the same <laughs> up that look that would be surreal. Wouldn't you it? didn't even see that when you were getting stoned. Your dad was shouting at you. So when you set up blank, yeah, like, um, was that a fanzine? Or was that an actual publication? Well, it, was a, it was a magazine. It was it was um, set up by myself and a guy called Paul McNamee, who is he's now the editor of the Big Issue. Right. And he went on to work for the enemy and went there. He was the I was the bullshitter and he was a very talented writer. And um, it was set up on eight hundred quid and absolute lies to the Ulster Bank, who gave what us a five grand overdraft. I was I, I lose track. I think I might have been nineteen. So it would have been going back to ninety five, ninety six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been ninety six, ninety seven, because we were came through the ceasefire. Uh, we came through the ceasefire Good Friday Agreement. Um, and we did well. I mean, we were selling 52% of music magazines in Northern Ireland, and that was like 4,000. 
you know, let's put it into perspective, the scene was very, very small. Yeah. And we were putting on unsigned bands, like Snow Patrol, uh, say unsigned, had signed a Jeepster, but were doing, weren't doing very well. And we'd run little clubs, and I used to run a club called Stereotype. <laughs> and we, uh, we had Looper over, who were like a side project of one of Bell and Sebastian. Yeah. And we'd have spoken word with Terry Hooley, Good Vibrations. And he'd, he'd do spoken word, and then he'd take his glass eye out and put it in his pint glass and drink it. And then we had Desert Hearts where they, instead of playing, they played a dap machine and just played cards in the stages. It was all just all over the place. And how we get the magazines, I'll never know. And I tell you, I can date it. And if anyone knows this date, they know. The day we went to press for the first issue, so you got to imagine two, two kids basically up the all sorts of no good. It's like four in the morning, and we're trying to get this magazine ready to send a printer designing in the old Cork Express or Page Maker right. for whatever it was. And Paul goes, You got to come and see the TV. I'm like, no, we need to do this. We did. We had, we had got a sponsored column by the Parliament, which was the only gay bar in Belfast. It was that type of magazine. It was, it was like a real kind of like we need to be everything that we hate about this this country and love about this country. We want, we want to be everything we love about it. We want to be really, you know, we there is no voice for bands and uh, alternative scenes, and that's what we were. And we we sold the sponsorship of a, a column to our, the only gay club in in Belfast and then forgot about it until that night and we were like shit we need to write a column for this right it was one of those ones it was like absolute where's that what did we sell an advert for the back page like we were never should never have been on the magazine and he goes you gotta see a tv and it was Diana had died yeah. so that's how I know when it was so whenever that was was when we did so the was magazine. you still studying at that point or was no, you mate, done I was so I passed my 11 plus we then called 11 plus I don't know if I had yeah. that here yeah. went to grammar school they, they didn't want me to come. I did three years there, and they were like, if you come back, we'll, we'll suspend you. I don't think they are, will expel you. They, they didn't want it on the record as such, so they were like, so anyway, so switched okay. to the high school and back yeah. in Dundonald. What was that? Was your, was your name full? Um, I, never a bad kid, just never shut up. Yeah, And then went to Dundonald High School, and again, just never shut up, but I met a teacher called Mrs. Piper, and she like spotted I like to read, and she was like, you, you should be a journalist. I was like, I've always wanted, uh, as, I, as a kid, I wanted to be a journalist. I didn't want to be a fireman or anything. I wanted to write, yeah. always write reading. She spotted it rather than kind of shout at me. She looked after it a bit. But even then, I got kicked out. I got suspended three months for GCSEs. Then I got back in to do the GCSEs. And then I went YTP scheme, which was the old youth training program, okay. twenty nine fifty a week. I worked McDonald's. And I got, for some reason, got accepted at the Ulster newsletter newspaper. And then that was it. So I was writing from 16. Um, so no, absolutely opposite of that. It's funny because I've taken eight weeks off this summer, but for the very reason I've never had time off. You know, like students go like gap years and all, yeah, I've never yeah. had it. So yeah. I'm not working on anything. I've turned down all work connected to the World Cup and all that, and I'm just going to doss about. What are you going to do? You got any plans? Me and your dad are hanging out. I'm going to Costa Rica for a friendly <laughs> match. Northern Ireland are playing Costa nice. Rica in a friendly. So I'm going to that. My brother's getting married, so I'm going to that. And I'm just going to doss about. I'm going to do things that I never do because I can't stop. It's a funny thing. It depends where you come from, but I'm only now starting to stop stop running from the council mm. estate. You still keep thinking, this could go tits up. And especially when you've got like, you know, a B and three Cs in your GCSEs to fall back on, you're like, hmm. You know, I, I still think, if I die at 90, have I enough money to get me to, like, I'm not getting a large job anyway. I yeah. still think like that. So this summer's the first time I ever went, no, just stop working, you know? That's crazy. You've yeah. literally never had time off. You, you've never been on holiday. Never, never. Three weeks would have been the most time I've ever had off. And then most years, probably over the year, take three weeks off maybe, like a week here, a few days here. 
I just, yeah, I work too much. But aside from that fear of, mm. if I live to 90, am I going to have enough money? Yeah. You must enjoy it, though. Uh, yeah, I enjoy a lot of what I do when it's good, and I get frustrated at it when it's bad. So it's always a balance in this business. It's like, if I could just do radio all the time, that's what I'd do. If yeah. I, um, so I do... Like, say, for example, I do the snooker in Eurosport, and a lot of people are like, oh, man, you're locked in a room for 21 days and felt them. And I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. It's like a challenge, because it's like we started with 14,000 viewers, and we're up at 300, 400,000, and it's been a real team effort, and the people are great. And I work with Jimmy White, who's the funniest man you'll ever meet. We're going to see a Rolling Stones tomorrow night. Well, he doesn't know I'm going, but <laughs> so that'll be good. Because he's... He's good pals with them, isn't he? Well, Ronnie right. Wood's a massive snooker fan. Yeah. So they have it. Up, I don't know whether they have it tomorrow night, but when they, up, up until recently, certainly for sure, when they go on tour, they have a uh, snooker table. So Keith Richards and, and Ronnie Wood play uh, right. frames of snooker, which is the least rock and roll thing you've ever heard, but in a weird way, it's quite rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Because a, a proper snooker table is two bits of slate put together. Yeah. Now, it's properly built for them, so it must, yeah. every time they play a gig, they must spend 10 grand just to play a frame of snooker. But I remember Jimmy telling the story where it was like, who wins, Keith Richards or Keith Moon? And he says, well, sorry, Keith Richards <laughs> or Ronnie Wood? And he goes, well, he goes, a while back there I was watching them play and Keith Richards potted a red and a pink and put 15 up. So I think Keith Richards <laughs> wins. <laughs> but Ronnie Wood's amazing. I remember he messaged me something like the Northern Ireland Open last year. I went, what's the score between Mark Selby and Mark King or something? I'm like, what? So you're like, it's this guy. He loves it. Like, absolutely loves it. So yeah, so it's not always like, not always the obvious things that you yeah. like. So like we did match today too. I didn't really enjoy that because it was quite prescriptive and you didn't, you were just asking questions for them to answer a question that they came up with. It's not a real interview, yeah. is it? It's all set up. So it's kind of a balance, really. Yeah. So I did a thing for Radio 2 recently, really enjoyed, and then I enjoyed doing fighting talk, but even with that this year, I'm like, right, come on, we need to move it on, do something else with it. So it's, yeah, I do enjoy it. I enjoy radio more because I enjoy the connection. So someone listening to this now, they might be listening going wanker, but they, it, radio's different. You know, you listen to it, it's about the connection. I, if someone's listening now, I hope they haven't listened to the last six, seven minutes, and instead they're talking to their mate about... Do you remember we had that Eurovision party? Yeah. Or, do you know what? He's right. Do you remember we sang along to that shit band at yeah. Glastonbury? But it was amazing, you know. Yeah. And that's what radio is for me. That with nothing written down. And well, I do, I do have the words to Sunshine and Neath in case I get them wrong, and a few other bits. But yeah, I, that's why I think that's the that's what I'm addicted to. I think I also love still writing. I've had a column in the Metro for the last six years, and then if yeah. that goes, I'll do something else. Because the buzz of going to bed and going, right? They're going to read that tomorrow, and if I fucked up, it's in print. Yeah. I love that buzz. What and came first, music, music to you? Your fascination with musical football? Yeah. So like, so, yeah. When we when we grew up, my mum always tells me the first thing I ever said as a full sentence was, "I come down from the Misty Mountain," which was uh, right. uh, from "Comes a Time" by Neil Young, um, a song called "Human Highway." That that album apparently I was like addicted to. Whether that's right or not, I don't know. My mum likes to make up stories, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, it was always. I mean, I'd go with that. It's pretty I, I cool. I like it though, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's always like cool. grubby fingers on. I always remember grubby fingers on the records, and I always remember more records and TV. And what changed that was me, like grandstand every Saturday, you know, getting up and just watching nonstop. I went to bed, but I, I never remember TV. I remember having a TV, but I only ever remember me watching it. My ma would watch like the soaps, but I never remember. You know, the TVs were on the background. Yeah, we we were always like. Nah, that Jim Crochet records on, or that Rolling Stones records on, or that Super Tramp records on, or that. So that was kind of it. And then my mum met my stepdad, 
he brought in his music that he loved, and that was kind of it, and it kind of came together. And then always, and it's funny. What was that? What sort of stuff was that? Um, he he actually he would have been Jim Crochet actually. Uh, he what would it? I don't know. It's hard to divide them up. I always remember Elton John. Too low for zero. I remember playing that. That died. He he loved Dire Straits, and even now I buy vinyl based on. Oh, we had that when I was <laughs> five. <laughs> we had that when I was ten, and I'll go. Oh, I'll buy. Uh, I'll buy uh, Too Low for Zero by Elton John, or I'll buy and I and I still buy that vinyl, and I don't really listen to it that yeah. much. But the thing about vinyl is, what I've rediscovered with vinyl in the last like few years is, some records I hate on CD and love on vinyl. Some records are brilliant to listen to on my phone and the, I don't want to listen to thrash metal on vinyl but like I want to listen to Fleetwood Mac Rumours on vinyl and the whole record yeah. changes Sound of Silence Simon and Garfunkel which is now, now a big thing grew up as a sound, and I met when Paul Simon made Graceland I think I played that that broke but again you know like uh, Sound of Silence different album on record any soul record different album on vinyl and read us, it's almost like listening to a new a new band again you know yep. so yeah so anyway yeah so growing up music was always there just sporting fanatic but addicted to the rules so I, I'll like I can play badminton now and know the rules although they have changed a couple of times or if I play some on table tennis right now you've got to serve across and it's got but I was always addicted to that does that make you not very fun to play with I was going to say <laughs> that sounds great <laughs> happy for other people to say <laughs> but I, I, I never cheat I've got this thing I never yeah, cheat yeah. Yeah. but I'm a stickler to, do you know what the worst mate, competitive yeah. person in the world that's yeah. probably the biggest reason what always put me off for football was was the the fouling and the cheating, yeah. Because I think football in its in its normal form is the, one of the most f- crazily fantastic games you can watch in terms of the the sporting achievements yeah. that people do in that. But it is the sort of cheating and fouling yeah. sort of side of it that just always struggle with. I even remember being on a football pitch, you know, just playing around with my mates and getting fouled or, or getting pushed off a ball. It'd start a fight because I'd be like, "You can't do that," and they're like. Pfft. Didn't the, care at the, all. The thing that is what you said, like it's this crazy game. The reason why is it's set pieces are only used to start the game. So you only have set pieces only exist because the ball goes out of play. Set pieces only exist because somebody's fouled and you need to restart the game and give them the ball back. And that's different. So like mm. American football, for example, everything's a set piece. And although there's a little bit of ingenuity, a little bit of, oh, I can change the yeah. play. It's a set piece. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. a big baseball fan. Everything's a set piece. Yeah. And the only decision is where, how you throw it and how you hit it. Yeah. Football's brilliant. A guy gets it and he looks up, or a girl gets it and looks up and goes, option, 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 yeah. option, option. And that's why it's an amazing sport. But it, I struggle at club level now with not just the level of acceptable cheating. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's he was touched. Sure. He had every right to go down. And you're like, right, well, okay. Yeah. And, but also the fact that it's at the, at the highest level now people are turning up to be entertained you know whereas when I was growing up the reason why football was addictive was the roar went up because that was your team whether yep. it was going to watch local football going to watch Northern Ireland or the Liverpool connection which we had right back in our family and it was like and that's missing now and I only get that with Northern Ireland yep. that's the only place I know of. if I go to their like going to Costa Rica for maybe 120 people and we'll sing for 90 minutes I mean it's I haven't thought once about the result we, we had Germany in the qualifiers and I went to the away game, qualifiers for this World Cup and we got humped. And I'm, oh, I'm 88 minutes into the game. Do you know what? I couldn't even tell you where it was. It might have been Hamburg, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, that's typical Northern Ireland games. You can't, <laughs> if you remember the country you're in by kickoff, it's good. I remember 3,000 of us and 
I remember how well we got on with the German police. It was amazing. They played our songs through the tannoy speakers on top of the vans that are usually like, please disperse. They nice. were playing Sweet Caroline and all that. And I remember um, eight, eight minutes in, we've been humped. We haven't scored. We've hardly touched the ball. And I remember looking around and seeing like 25,000 German fans filming us. And I'm thinking, that's what's wrong with football right now. Mm. You're Germany and you, you're, you've hardly sang for 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're not enthused by this. Yeah. Why did you? Why are you here? Do you know what? It was really weird. I went to a festival in uh, Germany, Berlin. It was Berlin festival. which was a couple of years ago. It was, uh, it was Bjork was playing and Blur yeah. was. There. It was. It was a crazy. It was a crazy lineup, and in fact, it was the cleanest festival I'd ever been to. And but the the crowd just weren't getting no. into it, and I was gutted. I was like, yeah. the, the, and, and like Blur's performance and Bjork's. It was the night before. They were absolutely yeah. mind blowing. It was absolutely yeah. amazing. It was Blur's Biophilia, which is just yeah. a crazy record, anyway. Do you know and Josh the crowd Whittigam? just weren't getting into it. Yeah. It's, it's a real yeah. time. You know Josh Whittigam? Yeah. We did that show, Blood and the Tracks Radio 2, yeah. and he had to pick his favourite Brit, Brit pop song, and he picked He Thought of Cars by Blur. Yeah. And I'm a huge Blur fan, and I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> it's not even in their top 30 songs. <laughs> that, was, that was a fucking yeah. too cool for school. Too cool for yeah. school moment. You know what I mean? I can give you other ones, but yeah. I can't yeah. give you that. The cool <laughs> one you can get away with, the e-pop scene. Like that, that, that's, that's, on, that's on the on the level of becoming all right. Don't be yeah. too clever. The answer is uh, modern life is rubbish, by the way. Advert. Um, oh, um, I'll give him a second one actually because yeah, it is Sweet Caroline one. by okay. Northern yeah. Ireland, and that was at the Euros. And we play, I played in Nice against Poland. It was a terrible game of football, and then we went to play in Lyon. We didn't turn up for the first game. So Northern Ireland to go back into very much history. Everything in Northern Ireland was a product of the troubles. Football is a product of society anyway, and our society was divided. So Northern Ireland fans, you were generally Unionist Protestant, uh, Republican Ireland fans, genuinely Catholic Nationalist, and you know football represented the divide. And that was the way it was, just like council states did, just like schools did, just like society did. And post ceasefire, a friend of mine started and called football for all, and. He asked me to get involved early on, and he was just about, look, we need to make this better. We're not asking everyone to become Bible school teachers. We're yeah. just asking it to be better. And he didn't go to professors, and he didn't go to teach. He went to the fans. He went to those who were singing songs that really we needed to get out of a society. And listen, it's still predominantly a Protestant fan base, but Windsor Park has changed beyond all belief. We, we're, we're cheeky as fuck, by the way. Like Some of the songs would be just cheeky, right? <laughs> and there's still, you'll still, you know, we do see a green initiative was brilliant. Everyone like bring green and white, you know, and it's still a team where God Save the Queen's played before. And, uh, you know, they'll still sing a couple of songs, but they're, they're historic songs. Like there's no Billy Boys, there's none of that. And <coughs> Northern Ireland fans, I, I feel what was happening at Windsor Park was actually happening faster than was happening in our society. So having grown up in a particular area and having been, sort of going to Northern Games all my life and seeing the change and seeing the work this guy did and being part of the football for all and then just seeing us go to like at last right nobody like if I ask you about Northern Ireland the last two years you got to say Arlene Foster and you're going to say the deal that she did with Theresa May good news doesn't travel out of Northern mm. Ireland it's, an, it's always been an amazing place it was amazing humour growing up amongst all the shit it was an amazing people I remember a guy Jerry Anderson my favourite broadcaster of all time He's dead now, but he, he was a guy who was always in bands, but joined the band after the good guy left. So he joined the band that Bob Dylan left, and then the band went to shit, and Bob Dylan went. You know, he's always a real amazing character. He did a show on Radio 4 for 90 minutes a day, by the way, that's how good he was. Brilliant broadcaster. A little bit, maybe people are getting to know it's a, it's a good place to go, and it's, it's changed amazingly. 
But the non nano fans at the Euros, we like we won a medal and like the Paris gave us a medal, the French government gave us a medal for how well behaved we were, and gave it to the Republic of Ireland fans. And that is the reality. Wow. I remember sitting on the first day we got the Nice when all the you know, when the French ultras were kicking off here, there and everywhere. And we were there was four or five thousand people in the street, a couple of thousand us, but a two thousand Poland fans and about a thousand Republic of Ireland fans all drinking together, no place. And these French altars ran in about 30, and we we're all like about no trouble. But it's also a hard country. Yeah. Like Northern Ireland's still a hard country. And, and Irish people, we're not exactly the most level headed. Add the Polish in there. These guys ran in. It was like someone having a fly in their face. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And the police were laughing. They just battered them out. They put all the French altars over there, and we kept drinking, you know. And, and we've kind of like, to see us just get the press that we got and, and see whether it be Republican Ireland fans or Northern Ireland fans. And, and we sing Sweet Caroline before games. It, the credit goes to the Boston Red Sox. It's their song. Right. Now, you hear it sang all the time now, and this is where I think it happened. We sang it. Carl Frampton took it into boxing because he's no Ireland fan. Yeah. And it was the same crowd. It was the Green and White Army going to see Carl Frampton. And then Barry Hearn started using it. Yeah, Barry Hearn started using it all his things. And I should have had that on my list. Jesus, we don't have to add it in. Anyway, <laughs> and then... And then it became something that now, when people hear Sweet Caroline, oh God, here we go, sporting event, they're singing Sweet Caroline. It'll never be sang like we sing it. And I was working in inverted commas for talk sport at the Euros, but the deal was, I'm just gonna go with my mates and I'll turn up to do the show in whatever yeah. state I'm in. They were like, okay. And I got to the ground, they went, we've got you a seat. And I said, no, I said I wanted a seat. And they were like, yeah, but I ain't in the stands. I'm like, I said I wanted to be in the stands. I'm like, trust us. And it was a seat at the goalpost <laughs> for the Ukraine game. So I sat in the second half behind the goal as in I was the closest person yeah. to Michael McGovern our goalkeeper in the second half I was closest to the Ukrainian goalkeeper so I was the closest person to Macaulay when he scored that header and we won 2-0 our first game we won since 1982 at a major tournament and it was all everything came together you know it was like it was don't mean to be like overly soppy or cliche but it is so important to me that people see what Northern Ireland is really like yeah. still now I think we fight against that and I love what the Northern Ireland fans have done and it's not perfect by a long shot but it is so different I'm so proud of what's happened and the sweet car line before that game started they put it in the PA five minutes before and I was just in floods of tears just watching it and it was like 15,000 Northern Ireland fans and we make everyone's going to say this but we make more noise 15,000 of us make more than 50,000 I've seen it so many times Welsh fans will say that they had two thirds of the stadium in the second round against us and they'll say that how did you make that noise we never stopped singing for 90 minutes and that moment for me was just like a sort of full stop in a way or like or certainly like a real kind of what's that phrase a, not an epiphany but a it's just a monumental moment in time for the, how the Northern Irish fan yeah. base had changed from representing one side of a community and having songs that have no place in civilised society and and then to be here singing a Neil Diamond song in front of the world. It was brilliant, you know? Yeah. And that's why I think when we didn't get the World Cup and it was a bad refereeing decision, everyone was so caught up about it. It wasn't just about a football match. We, we've lost more games than we could count. Yeah. You know, it's about, well, we, we would have had that again. We would have had that chance to show the world what we're about. And that was taken away by a shit referee. So, who I, I hate. <laughs> two, uh, two questions. I want to hear, what yeah. was that decision, Colin? Because I can't, I need you to refresh my memory. How, how did that go down? Well, it was... Um, it was, he gave a penalty that only one Swiss player claimed for. Right. At the back of Corey Evans. 
hands down, everything. It was just never a penalty. And then we had a shot cleared off the line the second leg. We were brilliant in the second leg. It was totally us. Um, and, yeah, we didn't get the World Cup. I'm not bitter at all. Well, go back to a more <laughs> back to a more happy memory though. Yeah. When you see t- fifteen thousand people, like you 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 made the in a, uh, comparison earlier of you know you might see Coldplay and it's uh, uh, yeah. you know challenge anyone not to get caught up. Yeah. And we were joking after Glastonbury last year that two nights on the bounce I found myself crying my eyes out to yeah. bands I d- didn't expect to, and I was getting all teary for Coldplay. I think there's just that thing of when you see that many people. Yeah. United singing one thing. It's just it's so it's just overwhelming for the senses. And, and I think. just because of what it was <clears throat> and now what it is. Yeah. You know, our other song is um we sing uh, Mine Eyes Have Seen the Glory of a Spanish eighty two and little Northern Ireland showed the world what you can do and Michael is our leader and we're coming after you and this is what we sing. We're not Brazil, we're Northern Ireland <laughs> and it's all the same to me. But it's all the same to me. And that and that is us, that's our mentality. We know what we are, we call ourselves are we country. You know, we're the green and white army and we are just, we know that we will be shit nine times out of ten in our lifetime. We yeah. know that the Euros might be the last time we ever qualify, although I think we will qualify for the next Euros. we got good kids coming through. But, <laughs> turn it into a football podcast here, that'll really excite you <laughs> both. Keep going. Keep but, going. Um, we'll hit that clax. We have that, that underdog mentality. If England yeah. had that, yeah. we'd get back that mentality. Which is in, it's a British and Irish mentality. Scots have it, the Welsh have it, the Northern Irish have it, the Southern Irish have it. England need it. Because England go into another World Cup now as dark horses, represented as the top table. They're not. Just just the fans would reconnect with England if they would just in some way rediscover the island eccentricity that we have and this nation has. If they could rediscover that we'll fight them on the beaches, underdog mentality. It's it's what our nation's built on, whether you're Irish or British. Yeah. It's what we are. Yeah, we are sure. an odd bunch. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're big fans, as these screw, of, of UFC. And, and we've, yeah. we're all old, well, boxers and God knows yeah. what. And that's our, you know, I grew up watching McGuigan. Yeah. And, and, and obviously still love watching Frampton and, 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 and such. But I think um, it, it, to, to talk about UFC, I know you had, I want to talk about when you had Dan Hardy yes. on. Yes. Because, I mean, it, just he's one of the only times I got starstruck was meeting Dan Hardy. Yeah. How weird is that? Like we, See, I didn't we, we because I'm not DJs, a yeah. musician, yeah. right? Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. I had him around, was able to just treat him as like a as a journalist. There's no such thing as not known as a journalist, learn it yeah. before you know, sure. of course, you do. <laughs> so I went in with the knowledge of what he did and how he came through and what the yeah. sports are. I'm not one of those ones. Look, if someone says a sport's rubbish, it's because they don't understand it. I don't like cricket, but it's a valid sport. I don't like yeah. Formula One, but it's a valid sport. It's a motor sport. It's not people just racing. It's not the best yeah. car wins every time. So same with USC. It's not the sport for me, but I understand the art to it. And when he came round, it was good for me in a way because it was like, I just listened to various podcasts he'd done in the States and found out about him taking the ayahuasca and the Peruvian basin. And it was just what I needed at home to be. And yeah, that episode, yeah. in a way, episode two, Phenomenal. made the series for me. Because it made me realise, actually, yeah, I will get very close to the same downloads of Dan Hardy talking about this as I will Jamie Carragher talking about winning the yeah. European Cup, you know? Yeah, yeah. he's a legend. Well, my, my point being was, like, and, and I'm a big Dan Hardy fan, and, and you've got fighters like Dan Hardy, Michael Bispin, that, you know, were fighting for world titles, and the British fans liked them. Mm-hmm. Conor McGregor, just some young lad from, from Ireland goes to America and within th- two fights 
look at the crowd. Yeah. That, you know, and that, that, that Irish mm. following, yeah. just, it was just a yeah. different league. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, it is. Because we don't have much. So, like, from the Northern Irish point of view, it's like we had McGuigan in 85, Dennis Taylor in 85, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and Northern Ireland qualifying for the 86 World Cup. That all happened in the same year. Who was in the 86 team then? Who, who was that then? In the 86 team. Yeah. Norman Whiteside, Whiteside and Colin Clark, Sammy yeah. McElroy still there. Yeah. Um, Ian Dye was playing for us back then. Oh. But I thought we liked that all the time, so we qualified 82, 86, right? Yeah. So I'm like, all right. But they, they were the two greatest years for sticker collecting. Hispania 82, oh, Mexico 86. <laughs> <laughs> Italian 90 was bigger for me. I love really? that. Yeah, I love collecting those stickers as well. Yeah. I remember that. I remember You're about that. five years younger than me, yeah. so that figures, yeah. Well, a bonus song then we have to throw in was when he won the title, Barry McGuigan, 85, Loftus Road. Yeah. I've always thought he didn't come in. By the way, he talked to people from Northern Ireland. Everyone went to that, right? Yeah. So he talked to, <laughs> And the thing about Barry McGuigan, because he's from Clonus, so he's from yeah. just outside from Northern Ireland. From Yeah. And his whole thing was leave the fight in the Barry. So amazing guy. And Frampton's taken that mantle on of being mm. that. Shame they've fallen out and all. But, um, and his, so basically, Barry McGregor, I had to like put me ear up the speaker. I was researching him for, I can't remember what reason. And I made her up the speaker. Like, He's coming into Rocky. But you can't hear it because of the noise in the stadium. You can't hear his walk-on music. Really? Yeah. It takes him like 25 minutes to get the ring against Eusebio Pedro. He's a seven years on beating. Yeah. I remember that fight. Every second of that fight, and that, I think that was the year I started to remember things. Yeah. I know it sounds weird, like seven, eight. Yeah. I don't really remember '82. I remember everything '86. Yeah. And his dad got in the ring and yeah. sang "Danny Boy." Oh, yeah. that's my grandest song as well. Yeah. Oh man, what a moment that was! Yeah. This wouldn't happen these days. No. You get Tyson Fury singing some daft song yeah, to his yeah, missus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was amazing. So that's a bonus one. Yeah, you can have that one. Honorable mention. But the Sweet Caroline, the Northern Ireland fans singing that, has such more of a meaning to me. Yeah. Because it was just that you don't get a huge amount of credit for when you change and when things are better. People will look for that one thing. That's what tabloid media do. And it filters down in the local newspapers. And they've never had enough credit for it. And that Euros was brilliant because it was Northern Ireland fans and Republic of Ireland saying, hold on, this is what most of us are like. This is what 99% of us are like now. We were at a bar in Paris, right? All around the edges bars, but 500 of us. And the flags that were up were like Shankle Road, Road, Sandy Row, East Belfast, Tully Cornet, all that. You know, every single area was, was Protestant. Every single area still is that was up. And everyone's just sitting having a drink, all relaxed. And a very, very drunk Republic of Ireland fan walked into a bar singing a, a, a song that back in the day, like if he had walked through a group of people of us singing that, and he's holding up the trickler and he's walking through, and one guy in the group went, what the fuck do you think you're, and literally the rest of us went, you sit down to our guy, yeah. and we said, mate, come on over and have a drink, sat him down, and then we're like, don't be doing that in here, it's silly, you're just, you don't want to cause trouble, have a drink, and we sat with him for about three, four hours. That's the reality of what happens more times than yeah. not, but people only find the one. So, so, I think anyone listening to this will know that, that like, I'd, I'd imagine most people listening to your podcast would not necessarily read those newspapers that spread hate and yeah. bile, and it's so easy to spread it, and it's so much, so much more difficult to get positivity out, True. and the Euros, we did that, and that Euros, you, you go back and look at the newspaper coverage earlier on, it was like, where's the fight? Everyone was looking for fights. It started with a big cloud over it, and see by the time it got to quarterfinals, it was like, Harmony. People were writing about Northern Ireland Republic. The social media helped amazingly. People got that message out that actually, look at this. Look what real football fans mm. are actually like. And I think that's, that's really important because yeah. we still don't cover it, you know. No, I think that's quite true, actually. And like, like in 
researching for this, I started watching football fans and, and chants on just YouTube, and it was really cool. Uh, pretty much it's all the ones you see, you just see yeah. um, thousands of people between three yeah. or ten, depending on how, what the size of the venue, just just all singing in chorus, yeah. having a laugh, and are just happy. And I've been to a couple of football matches, and I must say, um, I've only had positive experiences in the crowds. It has been like, oh, I get yeah. this. I understand why people come back. But to you'll this read about the one part again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we have some funny songs, like, and that's saying the Northern Ireland fans have never been asked to become school teachers and preps. What do they call it? Preps? What do you call the head boys? We're always like back in the class now. Yeah. You know, and I, so for example, they sing Kyle Lafferty's song. It's Kyle Lafferty, seven foot, and he plays the flute. Kyle Lafferty's a rep, he's <laughs> a flute boy. It's funny. You know, our Chrissy Brunt. Chrissy Brunt is wonderful. Chrissy Brunt is wonderful. He's got a name that rhymes with funny. You know, <laughs> we still sing that songs. You're like, oh, I can't believe we're. We are still. A, we are still silly, like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. the odd song's still a wee bit like, oh yeah. But it's. It was. It was. It was never about like let's present something that we aren't. It was mm. all about like let's actually be something different. Yeah. You know, and that's really important. I think the chart. Char- I've found a bunch of chants that I kind of like because I'm not that familiar with many football chants but there's a few that I found online that just made me laugh so I don't know Colin do you would you recognize this one and can you tell yeah. me who would sing it Sunday Monday Habit Bay Tuesday Wednesday Habit Bay Newcastle United fans Correct. sign up for him yeah that's a brilliant one <laughs> that one just made me you want Liverpool one? one I always get it the wrong way right yeah, Jimmy Troy played for us he's a Champions League winner he's one of those players goes in the list of you won a Champions League yeah. oh my god he was inspired that day. Remember, he backheeled one off a line in Istanbul, but it, he made the biggest mistake, scored some amazing own goals, backheel own goal once. <laughs> and his song his song was, I'll get the names wrong, but it was like, don't blame it on Ham. No, don't blame it on, uh, don't blame it on Biscan, don't blame it on Haman, don't blame it on Fainan, blame it on Truore. He just can't, he just can't, he just can't control his feet. That's I love songs like that. That that was my second one. So no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, 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 yeah, but look, look, that's look, unbelievable. Right yeah. Do you know what used to be better? Like, so the cop. There's a which I would nearly put on my list, but so there's good. the cop at Anfield singing "She Loves You." When the Beatles were rising, they used wow. to sing the Beatles songs. And there's no football in it. They're not singing it for any other reason. And yeah. they want to sing Beatles songs together. Yeah. And that's well worth watching. Oh, yeah. The whole cop. She loves you. Yeah. Like, swaying from side to side. Unbelievable. That's I've beautiful. Got, I've got no memories of, of Arsenal songs when I, when I used to go. Uh, my only memory is there was a guy called Rip Raw, <laughs> and he'd right. wait for just this tiny little lull in the crowd, and he would just scream on his own, come on, you Rip Roaring Reds, and he'd make <laughs> such a big deal of it, and then the place would go mental, and it was like they were just waiting the whole yeah. 90 minutes for Rip Roar just to, to let it out once. But I've got no <laughs> recollection of like... One nil to the Arsenal. <laughs> Some teams do have more songs than others. You yeah. know? I always wonder who comes up with them. You know, like you can't start a chant if yeah. you're not one of the guys that start yeah. a chant to this day. Yeah, yeah. Someone will have come up with a Mo Salah song. Someone will have come up with a, you know, the Torres song as Armband said he was a red. Someone comes up with that, not us. Yeah. Not me. I'm not that guy. Yeah. If I had come up with that exact song, it yeah. wouldn't have been signed. Diehard yeah. fans yeah. who, yeah, I don't know, yeah. singing sing there each week. Yeah. I don't know, it's cool. It's really good. Yeah, any others? Um, yeah, I've got plenty. Um, this one, <laughs> this one's just a chant. You're shish, and you know you are. Oh, who's that for? It was sung by Chelsea fans at Stamford Bridge when their side played Galatasaray. 
That's Turkish club. <laughs> we, we have a thing with Northern Ireland is we put whatever the cliched thing is of that country in. So like when we played Switzerland, it's uh, you can stick your Toblero up your own. <laughs> you know, but you a chance can, to you can stick so your funny. fancy sausage up your hole <laughs> like when we're in Germany no matter who we play like, we, like what, oh, what was I'll it take it, what they was all it go for Greece up your hole. I think Greece was you can stick your Aristotle up your hole <laughs> it's always the same and then sideways it's just fun we'll <laughs> do it in Costa Rica I don't know what we're doing yet but we'll do it in Costa Rica yeah it's good humour they're just funny I just think a lot of them are just so they're witty as well <laughs> it's a drunken soiree in the within <laughs> Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.